may be seated. Had a lot of questions, a lot of comments about the book of Jude. And I, I was laughing a little bit because we only got halfway through the verse last week. First, well, halfway through verse 1 last week. And a lot of, a lot of folks. And uh, we talked about mostly who Jude was and, and what was his purpose of writing. And so uh, last week we were talking about, okay, who is this Jude? And we saw that there was two different Judases. Uh, Judas's, Judas, uh, Judas plural. Uh, we have Judas Iscariot, but there was two other guys named Judas uh, that was were not Iscariot. All right, so there was an apostle named Judas. Uh, there, there were two apostles named Judas. One was Iscariot, one not. And then there was a brother of Jesus named Judas. And both of these guys had a brother by the name of James, which we saw in verse one. So a uh, question I got multiple times was. Why can't the, the guy, Judas, that's the apostle, we're talking, let, let's leave Iscariot out of this thing, all right? We're talking about the other two. Why can't this guy that's an apostle also be the, the half-brother to Jesus, right? Talking about the earthly brother to Jesus that Joseph and Mary would have had. Why can't it be both? My, and my answer to that would be found in, uh, in the book of John. If you'd like to turn over there, of course, keep your finger in Jude. Go to John chapter 7 here. John chapter 7. I got that question, actually, that comment a few times. And uh, the reason I don't believe it would be both of them is because what John tells us here in John chapter 7. The Bible says here, uh, verse 3, John 7, 3, the Bible says, His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence. And go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Okay, we we don't use the word brethren, but when this is saying brethren, it's saying his brothers. It's saying his earthly brothers here. Okay, and so... In his early ministry, his brother, his, kid, his, his siblings did not believe that he really was the Christ and was doing all this. They didn't believe that uh, he really was all that he said he was. He, remember, his brothers didn't have the angel appear to him like Mary did. They didn't, uh, Joseph had an angel appear to him. They, they didn't see all of that. Um, they didn't go through all of that. They didn't have the wise men come to the stable. They didn't have the angels uh, rejoicing to the to the shepherds who came to the to the to the manger scene and all of that. We're talking when Jesus just begun his earthly ministry, and early on they didn't believe. So, okay, Pastor John, if that's the case, then why are you saying that you believe this Judas would be a brother of Jesus? And, and through last week's teaching, I believe, because his brethren did come to believe eventually. Okay, in the book of Acts, after Jesus ascends into heaven, the book, uh, book of Acts chapter 1, we see where his brothers and his mother are meeting with the other disciples in the, um, uh, together, after I believe in the upper room, after that he had ascended. And we see evidence in 1 Corinthians where Paul talks about a brother to Jesus named James, whom uh, the Lord did appear to James. And it's likely and it's possible 
that because Jude here is talking about being the brother of James, that he could have reached his other brothers. And so uh, I, I still lean. I'm not telling you that dogmatically. The Bible doesn't say that Jude was the brother, half-brother of Jesus. But I'm saying as I research in the Word of God and as I look at some of even documents of history and, and historians, I believe that Jude here would have been the half-brother to Jesus Christ. And so that's just my personal opinion. And any time that I give you my opinion, you can gladly throw it away. Because it's not Bible, it's opinion. And so I give you that, and I leave it at that. Okay, let's move on here. The Bible says in verse 1, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, and called, mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. So the question is, who's he writing to? And he says here, to them that are sanctified, he says, preserved and called. Okay? So there's a lot all in those words there. Sanctified, the word sanctified means to be set apart for God. Notice the wording here says sanctified by God the Father. Okay? Is he writing to Jews? I think so, very likely. Were the Jews not sanctified by the God the Father? Were they not set apart for a purpose? They were. Okay? I don't think he's only writing to Jews. I believe he's writing to Jewish Christians, just like Peter did. Because aren't we also set apart? Once we're saved, we ought to be set apart for the Lord. Amen? Amen. We're a church that is called out of the world. Set apart for a purpose. Amen? And so, I believe he's writing to Jewish Christians. And uh, it would make sense, him being a Jew. We only really know of Paul as being the one sent to the Gentiles. But, um, again, it, would, it wouldn't matter. I mean, we aren't, most of us aren't Jewish uh, uh, by um, by our birth, okay, and we're we're getting this book and we're getting helped by it, so it doesn't really matter. But understanding who he's writing to here, sanctified is set apart by God, preserved. That's an interesting word. Praise God for preservation. Amen. This idea of preserved here is to watch over, care for, or keep your eyes on. Okay, and I know Romans chapter eight says, therefore there is no condemnation. To them that are in Christ Jesus. We will not see. If you're saved tonight. You will not see the wrath of God. Amen. Amen? I know there's, there's all these things going around. Especially if you're watching some preacher on the internet. Be careful with all that stuff. Right? Don't let some guy that doesn't know you. I'm your pastor. I'm telling you this. Don't let some guy that doesn't know you. That's 2,000 miles away. Pastor you on the internet. Let me pastor you. I want to know what's going on with you. I want to pray for you. I want to talk to you. I want to know what's, I want to be your pastor. So be careful of that. And But what happens is we watch this stuff. You know, everything on the internet's pure truth these days, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so uh, uh, what happens is you come up with all these theories and all these guys preaching all this stuff. And I know there's popular now that uh, uh, this stuff of mid-tribulation rapture and post-tribulation rapture and all this nonsense. That's not Bible. Why do we believe in pre-tribulation rapture? Because it's Bible and I can prove it with my Bible. Okay, maybe it'll be a teaching time sometime in the future. But it's, it's Bible. And I can see it in Scripture. There is a reason for the tribulation. And Jeremiah calls it the day of Jacob's trouble. It's for the Jews. 
And uh, we're not to be a part of that. You look in the book of Revelation, the church is never mentioned. From uh, Once you get past uh, Revelation 4 and 5, it's not even mentioned until 19, chapter 19, when we come back with Jesus. How do we come back with Jesus if we're already here? Amen? Amen. Okay, just making sure we understand that we're pre-trib rapture around here. Okay. Everybody okay? All right, good. Amen. I wasn't even planning to preach that. Thanks, Holy Spirit. Amen. Moving on. Okay, so we're preserved in Jesus Christ. Bless God. We're not going to see the wrath of God. Hallelujah. Jesus is to us like the ark was to Noah. You with me? The wrath of God upon the earth. And God told Noah to build an ark and to, and to get on that thing with his family and that they would be preserved from his wrath. And that's what we are. The church, we're preserved. He's coming back for us. The Bible says, if you look at Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, when it's talking about the rapture in chapter 4, and uh, in 2 Thessalonians, first into second chapter, talks about the, that man of sin being revealed. Talks about the church being raptured, and then the man of sin will be revealed. The Antichrist won't come until after the rapture, according to Scripture. And so, uh, just to help us with that, we won't see the wrath of God on that. And then it gets to called. And the idea with the word called there is not necessarily called into service, though we can make application with that. But it's the idea of it's called as in being saved, as being appointed, as what is uh, John chapter 1 said, as many as received him gave he power to become the sons of God. God adopted us into his family and called us in, called us children of God. That's the idea here with this text, with this word in the Greek that is being used here. Then we, <clears throat> excuse me. Then we get into ch- uh, verse 2 and we have mercy and peace and love. He's saying, I, I, I want these for you. I'm praying these for you. Uh, what great words. We could talk about those really for the rest of the night and even a message on each one of those of their own. But let's continue into verse 3 here, please. The Bible says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. All right, so last week we talked about why is he writing. And, and I referenced verse 3 here. What's he talking about in this book for, as, as a grand total, a grand theme? What's he talking about? Help me. What'd you say? I didn't, I'm sorry. I didn't. Contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. Okay. So, so I used the word apostasy last week. Right? As apostasy means a falling away. Falling away from the truth. Going, going as a church, uh, getting closer to the world and following the world and coming away from the truths and the doctrines that we know to be Scripture. Amen? That's what he's writing about here. And he says in verse 3, I wanted, Brett, I wanted to write about salvation. I desired to write to you about the common salvation. means Jesus Christ. The gospel means good news of Jesus Christ. I wanted to write about that. If he was the Lord's brother, you'd think he'd have a pretty good perspective. But at this point, when he writes this, Jude... If you, if you have a dating system in your Bible, I have Usher's dating system here. It says A.D. 66 at the top of my page. John the Apostle had not written his gospel yet. John writes his later. John, as an old man, he writes his. 
And so um, I, I'm not sure. I didn't even look and see if Mark had written his yet or not. Mark was, uh, of course, in the days of Paul. Okay, uh, John Mark there. Uh, we find out that he was going with Paul, remember? And then he kind of got distracted and Paul said, no, I'm, I'm not taking you the second time around. Remember? And then Barnabas took him. There was a contention between Paul and Barnabas. We know our Bible. I believe that's Acts 16, isn't it? 15 or 16. All right? That was John Mark. So he would, he would, I don't know if he, maybe he hadn't written a gospel yet. Jude says, I desired to write to you about salvation, about the gospel, about the good news of Jesus. But yet the Holy Spirit pointed me a different direction. It's always wise to follow the Holy Spirit of God. Okay, as your pastor, there is a whole lot I can preach every week. There's a whole lot. There's a lot in this scripture right here I can preach about. I mean, I could stand up here and preach about uh, creation. And I could preach about Adam and Eve. And I could preach about Cain and Abel. And I can preach about Noah. And I can preach about Abraham and Isaac. And I can preach about this and preach about that. There's a lot I can preach out, out of. But it's all vanity and a waste of time if the Holy Spirit doesn't want it. Because it's going to flop and it's going to fail if I don't have the power of God. You know that. And I spend a good deal of time saying, Lord, help me to know what you want me to preach. And what direction you want for each of these services. Because that's important for us to have what God wants in this place. Amen. And so Jude here is saying, I wanted to write a gospel. I wanted to write about Jesus. I wanted to write about salvation. But the Holy Spirit said no. He said it was needful. There was a reason why I needed to warn you about apostasy of the church. He said, I'm seeing it, and I know it's more to come. And look at the words he uses here. He says, I exhort you, in other words, encourage you, that ye should earnestly contend for the faith. That word contend, contend here, it's like a boxing match, right? It's like there's two opposing sides. And you're going to fight for what you believe to be right for your faith that you were taught in the Scriptures. We're not doing that so much anymore, and we ought to be. We're in a world uh, that's going farther and farther from the truth and going away from the doctrines that we know to be true, and we're not contending for the faith. We're just like, well, whatever. And churches are going farther from what's right and changing. Why is it that that other denominations that used to preach the gospel now have homosexuals behind the pulpit. You understand what I'm saying? Because they're changing from what they said they believed. And they're going the way of the world. We've got to stand for what we believe. The idea here with earnestly is the it's an emphasis. Don't quit. We've got to get back at this thing. We've got to contend for the faith. When I'm, when I'm looking up all these words and I'm trying to understand the Greek here and how, it, how the picture that the Holy Spirit's teaching here, the idea with faith there is, is every part. It's, it's all of it. It's everything we've been taught. It's cover to cover. All 66 books. And I understand that when Jude wrote that, he didn't have all 66 books. But God's intention was that we would have it. Amen? We don't, we don't need uh, 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 some... Uh, uh, somebody stand up and speak in tongues and all these prophecies and all this stuff because we have the whole Word of God. All that stuff's come to, to come to end because we have the full Scriptures right here. And, and it's all of it. It's cover to cover. It's, it's the whole, as the Bible says, the whole counsel of God 
that we need to contend for, that we need to stand and fight. And it says that was which was once delivered unto the saints. You know what you're supposed to stand for. He gets into verse 4 and he says, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, Here's the, here's the apostasy. It's these false teachers that are creeping in. See that? It says for the certain men. That means people like you and me that have agendas that creep into the church for the whole purpose to get it off track. Do you know that the devil does that? He certainly does that. There are, it is my job as your pastor to fight off wolves. It is. That's not a favorable job of mine. That's not a task that I, I'm looking forward to. Okay? Uh, just wait till I have brother, I have brother Martini come in here in his you know, flak jacket and he's a little helmet on, you know, protect that beautiful head of his, right? And he's, he's going to defend the faith, right? And hold the whole picture of it. Got Holly at the office, right? And she's packing. I'm ready. I'm having a little fun with you, but there are, the devil is real and would love to destroy this church. This lighthouse that has been here for decades. He would love to destroy it. How can he do that? By coming in. He's not going to get it from the outside. No, we got all these people in this name and we've been around here for so long. How's he going to do it? By getting people on the inside. Attacking one another. And, and stirring around some things that aren't Bible. New doctrine or even just criticism and gossip that will split the church. You with me? That's how he's going to do it. We got to contend for the faith. We know what's right. We're supposed to be unified, moving together. You've got people that are talking about this person and that person and this person and that person. You put them in their place and say, let's go to that person. Let's find out if this is true. Don't let the devil come in here and split us. Contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. And, uh, He's talking about certain men coming in unaware as me. In other words, it's, it's slipping in. It's secretive. It's stealth. Do you realize that right now, the, all the world and all the agendas and everything they're trying to do, and I'm telling you truthfully, and you know it, they're cramming things down our throat in our country and all that. They're coming in secretly to churches and joining churches under the guise of Christianity, and then they're bringing out their agendas, and, and it's happening in churches right now. Let's be cautious. Let's be careful. And let's keep our eyes open. The Bible says for us to walk circumspectly because the days are evil. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. Right? According to Ephesians. So these are, these are men. Look at what it says now. It says who were before. I'm still in verse 4. Who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Now let's be cautious here because it would, might be easy to take that, that wording there and say... Will God ordain certain people to die or to be in sin and other people to be saved? That's not what he's saying. Okay, that's not what he's saying. How do you know that's not what he's saying? Because we compare Scripture with Scripture. We know that's not, God doesn't choose some to be saved and some to be unsaved because he's not willing that any should perish. We compare Scripture with Scripture to explain it. Okay, so what's he saying then? 
when, when you look up the words here before and ordained, and it's the idea here that, and I wrote it down, let me get it right. Uh, it's the idea to write before. In other words, they were prophesied about before in the Old Testament and older days. Okay? Was, was not Judas Iscariot prophesied about? Yes, he was. If you don't know where, I'll give you a couple scriptures. You can jot them down. If you were to look up Psalm 41, verse 9, you'll see where David is writing, and he says, Mine own friend hath raised, uh, I think it says raised his heel against me. Is that what he says? Uh, it's 41.9. Psalm 41.9 is talking about, he's talking about Ahithophel, but it's prophecy about Judas Iscariot to Jesus. He says, My own friend hath done this to me. Okay, uh, Zechariah chapter 11, verse 12 and 13. Another one talking about Judas Iscariot there. And it actually says that he will sell the Lord for 30 pieces of silver in that passage where he's prophesied about. So these men creeping into churches and leading the church astray here were prophesied in old. Say, well, where were these men talked about? Let me give you an example. Look, back, look here in Jude. Look in verse 14. He talks about it. Look at verse 14. And Enoch also. Wait a minute, I know that guy. He was the guy that was, you know, never died. He translated into heaven, right? And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them all of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed. And of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. I don't know about Enoch. I don't have a book in the scripture that he wrote. I know there was a book of Enoch at one time. I believe in the Apocrypha. But I don't get into all that because it's not scripture. They're historical books and some people chase after that stuff. I'm just careful because I don't want to mix up scripture with scripture. With with non-scripture is what I'm saying. So I don't go after that stuff. But... uh, but God said it's not going to be Scripture. He didn't include it in the canon of Scripture if Enoch would have written anything. I don't know if Enoch wrote that or whatever it was. I know there, there's a book out there with his name on it. Okay, So he prophesied about people to come of ungodly deeds like this and that the Lord would come and judge, have judgment upon that. Okay, the Enoch talked about that, Jude says here. How did he know all that? You think Jesus told him? I think the Holy Spirit just told him when he was writing, writing down all this stuff. Amen. That's how it did. And then Peter said that. The, that men of old were led of the Holy Spirit as they wrote the scriptures. Yes. I think that's Second Peter 1, I believe. I believe that's where that's at. Okay. Look at what he says now here. He says they were ordained to this condemnation. They were prophesied about uh, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Ungodly here is by choice. It's not just they're left to their sinful ways, but they're choosing deliberately to act against what the Lord would want. What the Lord has forbidden, they do those things. They're choosing, okay, ungodly deeds here. Turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. The grace of God is something we don't deserve. It's unmerited favor. We're sinners, and God has given us grace that we didn't deserve To be saved. For by grace are ye saved through faith. 
You believe, but it's grace that Jesus gave you to do so. With me? So, because we are in the, the time period of grace, and we receive grace from the Lord, our sins are forgiven. Yes? But some people abuse that. Don't they? Well, it doesn't matter what I do, preacher. I know I'm saved and I'm going to go to heaven and it don't matter. It does matter. Don't abuse the grace of God. Yes, God's grace is on us. And yes, all my sin was nailed to the cross. Colossians teaches me. But I'm not saved to continue that that sin should abound? No. Romans talks about that, doesn't it? What are, you talking, what are we doing here? Yeah, there's spirit and there's flesh and it wars. And, but but no, grace so much more abounded. We understand that. Grace is so much greater than our sin. But we don't get saved to continue in our sin. We get saved and we turn to the Savior and say, I'll live for you because you died for me. That's what the Bible teaches. What he's saying here, Jude is saying, is that these evil men, these ungodly men, they came in and they turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. And lasciviousness means filthy with excess, non, no restraint. In other words, I can live life the way I want to live. I'm not held back. Nobody's going to restrain me because I'm under grace. There's a lot of churches that are preaching that today. Be careful. We're under grace. It doesn't matter. We don't need standards and we don't need these, these fences and we don't have to build these, these walls and these protections and all this stuff because we're under grace and it'll all be okay. No, sin is sin. Adultery is still adultery. Fornication is still fornication. Right? And you bring things in your eye gates and in your ear gates and all this such that leads to that kind of stuff. Right? And the Bible preaches against that. And that's why we set up standards and fences and we protect ourselves I was just talking to somebody today about a, an area of protection. And I said, if you and, and said, I said, if you and your family would be comfortable with this, you have to decide what you're comfortable with because there's a protection in place for a purpose. I was just talking about giving out phone numbers and things. I said, there's a reason. There, I'm just, you have to decide this, but you, you, you and your, your family decide this. Where is that line? We've got to have a line somewhere for protection. You with me? Amen. Amen. Okay. And so he's talking about turning the grace of God into excess and, and, and sin and excess and all that. And then they go even further to deny the Lord Jesus as the Savior. Shame. Shame. All right. We're, on, we're about out of time now. But I really wanted to get into verse 5 and 6. It's a little more exciting. Well, not more excited, but I'm excited about it because it's just a deep study. And we wanted to get into it. So uh, we've got to stay faithful to Wednesday night. Because we start talking about angels that left that, that didn't keep their first estate, left their own habitation. What are you talking about, Pastor John? Yeah, there's some Genesis 6 going on right there. If you don't know what I'm talking about right there. There's some real spiritual warfare going on in, in that verse. And uh, I was looking to get into that. But I'll just give you, I'll give you a little hook, a little nugget here. Let me just read it. I will therefore put you in remembrance. I'm in verse 5. 
Though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. He's giving us his examples of the apostasy here. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Do what? He's got angels chained up, reserved for judgment when there are definitely demons and, and false angels going on in the world today and he's got a select few that are, that are chained up right now. Why would they be chained up? Sounds like they did something that he wasn't willing to let them continue doing. Where's that at in the scripture? We'll get into all that next time. There's your hook. I got to figure this thing out. Well, you just read in Genesis chapter 6, it might help you a little bit. And a lot of people don't believe some of that stuff. And I have proof in the scripture that it's right and uh, multiple times. And so I'm going to show you some of that. We'll get into that. What are we talking about? We're talking about angels that sinned. And they, like lasciviousness, they had no restraint. I'm not going to say anymore because it hooked you. Hopefully. We'll see. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you're Bible students. So be here next time. Amen. Until next time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you.